you want exclusive content, uh, early ad-free episodes, discount codes for upcoming merch, which I want, um, I'm excited to see that, join our Patreon family today. You can um, uh, sign up for that. And also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at at really underscore podcast underscore official TikTok at really podcast. Uh, if you want to see Dave's beautiful face and my, you know, tired looking face, uh, subscribe on YouTube on the Stampede podcast channel or just hear our dulcet tones anywhere you get your podcast fix. Hello and welcome once again to Really with uh, Tom and Dave. Uh, I am Dave because my parents lacked any form of creativity. Uh, unlike the very exotic parents that named Tom. I was going to say the Tom, I remember my, my dear mama used to say like, you should spell your name T-H-O-M. And I was like, that's, I mean, there's, it's hard to get Tom to be sort of sexier than, you know, just it's straight on three letters. Cause then it's Thom. And <laughs> yeah, that's sort of, I don't know. It feels like the LA spelling. Well, of yeah. Tom. Well, Dave, I think naming your kid David is a sign that you just gave up on even trying. <laughs> right. uh, you probably, I'm feeling my parents probably just asked a nurse. So it's what do you think? Medium, it's a medium yeah. effort. Yeah. yeah. Not a ton of effort in that. I'm like, I'm not going to defend them on that. It's yeah. uh, but you've made so much with that, Dave. You've 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 made Dave sparkle with yeah. creativity. And of course, now with Gen for the the uh, Gen Z generation, this era, there are no Daves. There are no Davids. No, I don't anymore. think it's allowed anymore. I think it's been, no. it's been shipped out. And yeah. any Toms are Thoms. I mean, it's, <laughs> yes. uh, it's, it's yeah. the T O M spelling is out uh, as I, as I have learned. Um, there's a lot of weird name spellings in this city. Yeah, this city I've called home for many many years now, but um, it's weird. People spell their names weird, but uh, we're not weird. Uh, no. Well, I mean we are, but I we have a great guest today. Um, Murray Hammond is here and we will talk with him in just in just a few minutes. But I wanted to kind of catch up with you. Haven't seen you in a minute. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's also been some I, uh, I, I promised a friend of mine I was going to I would answer his his queries on air and uh, oh. I would sort of consult the expert. Um, because and also I've been reading some like some responses. We've been on, you know, show's been on a couple, you know, for a couple weeks now. And we've got like people some feedback and people seem to be enjoying the show, which is lovely. But I wanted to sort of ask this one because it's a good question. My buddy Josh was my best buddy in elementary school and middle school. And we were going back and forth on Instagram and we sort of and he's he's definitely interested in this topic. And um, we were kind of, you know, but he's not quite there and he's got questions and whatever. So I posed to you his question, which had to do with like, and I have answers to this myself, but I want to hear yours. Why, if there's so many UFOs running around uh, and there's so many phones, everybody's got 16 cameras on them at all times. Why, Dave, don't we see more definitive proof more definitive images pictures photos of uh of uh, ufos all right well well the, well, the, well the one thing about our all these phones that we all have in our pockets is they are terrible at taking <laughs> pictures of anything other than your lunch hmm. uh okay. they weren't designed they're designed for that they're designed for taking pictures uh of your of your family and your lunch um 
But yeah, if you take if you try to take a picture of the of the full moon, a beautiful even with tonight, I think tonight is the uh, a, a super moon. Even with the super moon, if you go out and try and take a picture of it with your iPhone, you'll get a picture because of the way the way the phone also adjusts its exposures. You'll get a white disc that will look nothing like the moon. Mm. And if you're going to try to convince somebody that the moon existed based on that photo, you would fail miserably. Um, you know, same thing. Like, or if you take a picture of a of a jet passing overhead that. To the human eye, you can see all the details of the jet. You can even maybe even figure out what airline it's from. Right. Uh, but you can certainly see the, the fuselage, the wings, the uh, the tail of the jet. Try try to take a picture of it, and you'll get nothing um, with an iPhone. So that's why that's why we don't get good quality stuff because because uh, we definitely get there's literally thousands of uh, pictures of UFOs posted shot on iPhones seem to go up every month. Uh, but they usually on on the iPhone, they look like these little blobs of color of light in the distance. And, um, and you can't really make out a lot of detail. The people who were looking at those things saw a lot more detail detail than is in the videos they shoot or the photos they take. So that's, that's a big part of it, I think. Yeah, part of my feeling is like, first of all, there's a billion things you can see on like, you know, online. There's a, there's tons of, of photos. My, yeah. my issue is I, I trust very little of it because there's no way to verify what is real and what is not. Um, but yeah. it doesn't seem like there's a shortage of images. I agree with you. It's if in fact we're talking about small metallic objects going 32,000 miles per hour through the sky, yeah. it's going to be hard to, if it's going 86,000 feet in two seconds into, you know, the water, these would be tough, uh, pictures to get. And then I would add to that, um, that the, the, there's, we, we know for a fact because we have been told by dozens of different people inside government, outside government, current government officials, that there's plenty of videos and photographs that haven't been shared with the public. There is, there is tons of stuff that has not been shown, which kind of goes to this whole, you know, uh, process that we seem to go through the moment there's a little bit of disclosure, everything sort of peels back and we kind of, and I think there's, so I would say there has probably much, much more, uh, very solid photo uh, and video of UAPs that we have not seen. That's probably classified and and is mm -hmm. probably um, if you remember the the air the one weather balloon we were allowed to see. Mm -hmm. um, and it and it wasn't only that there was another video, like the military when it wants to will release crystalline beautiful photographs from their planes. Um, for instance, when a Russian jet buzzed us a few months ago, there was like this crystalline military video of, of this whole interaction because they wanted to release that. So there is obviously uh, video and, and phot photography out yeah. there that we have not seen. Was, was it Nell, who, one, of the, one, of the, one of the people that, that corroborated uh, David Grush's testimony um, mm. in, the, in the debrief article? But it's one of the, I can't remember this, the two people cited, forgetting yeah, the names. I'm, not gonna, I'm terrible with names. You're, but the, but no they said, yeah, but, but they said, yeah, he, he said, yes, what Grush is saying is true. And he said also, yes, we have, we have basically uh, evidence in triplicate on all of these things. 
Yeah, I mean, Corbell said it, and and it's been verif- You know, it's been confirmed by Congress. It's been confirmed by senators. You know, of like having yeah. seen stuff that hasn't been released to the public for whatever yeah. reason. And a lot of ways, I think we used to get better photographs uh, and more verifiable photographs before we had digital uh, cameras in our pockets, because people used to uh, people used to carry around film cameras with them. Not everyone, but some people did as a hobby. And so, mm-hmm. you know, so that's where you do get photos like the famous, you know, McMinnville photo um, from, I forget what that, 50s, 60s, 50s, I think, wasn't it? Um, uh, I should have done some research for today. Come on, Dave. It's I was okay. busy. I went grocery shopping instead. It, um, which has to happen. And uh, but, but yeah, but I think when, we, when people used to take film, you know, photos, I think, you know, they, there were a lot of much better photos in that era. Um, and they were they were uh, easier to analyze, so people could analyze those photos and determine whether or not there was any uh, right. trickery, pretty easily. With That's the, yeah. my issue. I don't know what to you know. I, I just don't know what to trust. I'll watch something. It's interesting video. Like sure, yeah. I remain kind of. I think you know the the sort of other. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say, it's also a bit ingenuous. The people that are always saying, "Just show me the photos." Show me where. Why don't we have any decent photos? And then whenever they are shown a decent looking photo, they go, that's fake. Yeah. I mean, it's like this, it doesn't, you know, there are some pretty good, some, some really good videos and photos out there, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's some super interesting stuff for the Phoenix lights. I mean, all there's, you can go on and on of like really interesting captured. And I think what happens, um, this sort of leads into kind of my other question, which is sort of like if there, are, you know, do we do we believe in everything? Do you believe in everything? What's your line? Where is there a line for you of like, I go up to this point and then no further? Um, do you feel what what where where do you where do you where do you land on this? Is there uh, is there a point you will go no further than as far as the UAP phenomenon? I wish this is was. not Josh, by the way. It's just sort of. No, I wish there was. I uh, there used to be. But then I keep being, then it keeps turning out I'm wrong. Um, you know, I, you know, it used to be quite, you know, I used to kind of just not really pay attention to the abduction uh, phenomenon. And then sort of realize after a while that it wasn't really logical to believe that these craft are here, but that they aren't abducting anybody. Um, that seemed like just a, it seemed like a line I was drawing just to make myself more comfortable. Right. And not based on any, any kind of, uh, you know, evidence or any logic. Um, and then I, you know, then, you know, I didn't really think too much about the craft, you know, retrievals and reverse engineering, you know, I knew the Bob Lazar story and he seemed, you know, he seems like a very sensible and, uh, sane and normal human being who seems to be telling a consistent story over a long period of time, but still, I just sort of didn't really think about it that much until actually until watching Jeremy's Jeremy Corbell's movie. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then having, you know, having dinner with uh, people who were in, you know, Pentagon programs and hearing about a year ago that the retrieval programs existed um, I was where I sort of went, oh, oh, I got to, oh, <laughs> no, yeah. oh, I got to take that. I got to take that seriously now. Oh, OK. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so it's the things I, you know, uh, you know, I, I guess I. Like much like my friend Jeremy Corbell, who loves to only think about the nuts and bolts of it all, right, and doesn't like the weird and woo parts of it. Um, 
you know, so I think I was a little bit in that camp for a long time and I'm now going, well, there's, there's really no, uh, there's no way to, to tether yourself to, to, uh, any kind of normalcy mm-hmm. once you start going down this road, because it's, you know, whatever is behind this phenomena is so strange and so probably so bizarre that if we ever do get a look at what's really going on, it's probably going to be nothing like anything we've imagined. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think the part of my interest and curiosity in this whole kind of adventure of doing this pod was to just have cool, interesting conversations, just take in the information for me, just to stay open, to try and avoid what I feel is this kind of natural psychological snapback, right? Like I will be curious, I will engage, I will listen. And then eh, I'm just going to go back to my, it's just much more comfortable to go back to my way of thinking as opposed to staying open and just trying to take in information. Of course you can filter and yes, of course there's, there's bullshit out there and there's crazy people out there, whatever. I find myself most impacted by, you know, personal stories. You know, I have my own, you know, we, you have yours, like when you, when there's someone that you can engage with, of course, I find that compelling and interesting. Um, And I think the, the idea of ontological shock is something that is why we have this snapback psychological, like, I just don't want to, I don't want to mess with my worldview. I don't want to change my worldview. I will, I will sort of dip my toe, but then I want to go back to my comfort place and dismiss. Whereas if you look at the last thousand years, I mean, several times our worldview has been forced to change. You know, we've we've gone from a a flat earth to a round earth for most of us. We've Mm -hmm. gone from a, you know, a, a universe that, you know, or at least everything orbits around us. No, not the case. Uh, we orbit around a sun and we happen to be in a very small, tiny, dark corner of a otherwise really active, busy universe, it seems. And yeah, I think I'm, I don't have a line so much. It's my own kind of temperature of the moment of what, you know, seems to be backed by evidence. I'm obviously data interested in data and, uh, what can scientifically be verified. And, and I think, just staying open is kind of the key of this whole adventure. Just, just keep, keep listening because what is to me undeniable is that we are not getting all the information from our government. Yes. Uh, and there is, and there is something out there that people are seeing and experiencing certainly pilots that is also kind of undeniable beyond that. It's taster's choice. Do you want to call it this? Do you want to call it that? And, um, but I think those two things, which are plenty. The government's not telling us everything they know. And clearly something is out there, you know, flying around that's doesn't belong to anybody uh, that we know of on this planet. Yeah. Yeah. Those and are I pretty, think... pretty cool, interesting places to start with. Yeah. And that's kind of basically where I am is, it is that thing. Yeah. Cause I know throughout my, throughout my life, going back, going back to the childhood and then in, you know, the late eighties when the Bob Lazar story first broke, it, I would have these blips of where I'd really pay attention then go, right. you know, and then, yeah, and now I guess yeah. Well, I'm like you. I want to just sort of stay uh, plugged into this and uh, and be, I guess, be ready. Uh, what other choice? <laughs> for what I, may come? If my worldview needs to change, and I would argue is sort of changing week by week as we have these conversations. Um, yeah, I just have to be have to be open to uh, to to what is actually going on, as opposed to pretending it's not. Because even when I have my instincts of like, oh, too weird, too crazy, like I, 
there is still this undeniable volume of evidence that is that's still there. It's not going any place. And so one must wrestle with it, I think, kind yeah. of as a as an obligation as a citizen to some extent. You don't have to stop your life, but it's um uh yeah, be ready, be aware, be open. Uh, yeah. because I suspect it'll get a lot weirder uh before it gets more normal, would be my prediction. Yeah. And uh all right, what'd you do? Is that a siren? Yeah. Is that you yeah. again? Well, um, you, you know what? I look, I don't know. I, I like to commit a few crimes just to yeah. fill my day up. That they is, never, they never actually find me. So, um, but I guess, yeah, here's the thing. Um, I guess the only thing, I guess we say, what's my line? Or the thing I'm skeptical of usually is when people draw conclusions that they find comforting. That's where I should go, well, but that probably isn't the case. Um, so that's 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 my one area of skepticism. Oddly, is just people who think that this is all going to be for our benefit. I go, mm, yeah. I, that's the, I don't know if there's any real reason to think that. Um, <laughs> you go to that place. You don't go to a you don't go to the happy ET place with the John Williams music and you know no. make our flowers come to life and just yeah. peaceful vegetarians and whatever. Um, okay, no. that's all right. You're entitled. It could be weird. Could be you know. But uh, we will see. Well, listen, we have a very cool guest today. Um, let's get let's get to uh, to Murray Hammond, who is a singer songwriter musician uh, who co-founded the alt country legends old 97s. Over the years, they released more than a dozen studio albums and appeared in TV and features, including the recent Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special and uh, heavy alien makeup. Um, and uh, in 2024, Murray will release a new solo work, the 10 song Trail Songs of the Deep. Producer Mark Neal describes Murray's work as a Southern Gothic Nick Drake experience. And Murray would add that Johnny Cash and Sid Barrett as, as inspirations there as well. And he is also an experiencer and joins us today on really to share with us his brush with the phenomenon. But um, let's listen to a little Murray Hammond before we uh, bring him on here. All right. Heartbreak, old friend, goodbye, it's me again Of late, I've had some thought of moving in Of all the many ways a man will lose his home Well, there ain't none better than the girl who's moving on True love, I knew, thought some of leaving you Bad thoughts, I had when valentines were due Of all the many ways a man will break his heart Well, there ain't none meaner than he pulls his own apart Hi, everybody. Hey, Tom. How are you? And, and, and Dave, you know, I'm acquainted with Dave over the years, and uh, Tom, it's really nice to meet you. Uh, I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of, uh, really, I'm a fan of the show. And, oh, good. Um, I've been really enjoying some of the guests you've had. Like, um, uh, uh, you know, I have to say, I think uh, Earl Grey Anderson so far was kind of my favorite guest so far. Okay. Oh, yeah. That you guys, I really enjoyed him on on the show, and, and I was really fascinated by his uh, yeah. uh, experience in his home. Right. Uh, with doing the CE5 stuff and then getting some kind of meaningful interaction thing that frightened the the 
tar out of everybody. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I thought it was, it, it, it's really interesting. Yeah, he was a, he was he a charming is. guy to talk to too. It was like, yeah. 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 And the backstory with his with his mom and the work she had done and the and kind of high level security stuff. It was really a fascinating conversation. And um, uh, what I guess I'm curious what your what was your introduction to this uh, phenomenon to this kind of conversation? The whole you know, the, the introduction in our family was uh, the stories that were told around our family. So my, my background is uh, my family, my extended family, were all from rural Texas, outside of Fort Worth, Texas. The, the town is called Boyd, B-O-Y-D. And uh, my early years were in Fort Worth, but they moved us out to Boyd in time for me to start the second grade. So it was all uh, like my mom's generation was the first one that had any uh, people that went to college, went to secondary education like that. Uh, everybody else was farmers, railroad people, that sort of thing. And they all lived, you know, kind of probably a little less than an hour away from Fort Worth, Texas is where they were from. But there was a couple of stories that um, they would tell uh, about. Uh, so I, the, the earliest one, I, I wrote them down one time. The list just keeps getting longer all the time because these stories just keep coming to me. And I, and I promise you, I'm not out there fishing and I'm not out there going, well, you know, I'm into UFOs and everything. Right. So don't mm -hmm. have anything. They just sort of come. And, and over the decades, they've gotten more, a little more, troubling i guess a little more uh, there there's more abduction stuff there's more missing time stories that are people that are very close to me and, and that sort of thing but the first one happened in the 1950s my great uncle arvel was uh arvel smith isn't that a good country name good name arvel smith <laughs> arvel smith i loved arvel and he was um and i would describe all the people everybody that i'm going to tell you about today i i don't bring I, I don't give any of it any kind of serious consideration unless i think the people are truth tellers mm -hmm. uh, and, and unless i think they're like no these are no if you knew this guy you would you would know that if it comes out of their mouth they're telling the truth as they know it uh but yeah he was uh he was a peanut farmer and he was plowing uh, one day, and this would have been in the late 1950s. And um, so he had a, a daylight disc sighting to use Hynek's classification system. Um, it, it was a large metal sphere uh, that had lines across it, as, as it was told to me. And uh, it flew over his tractor. And this would have been about less than a mile from where I grew up. So we had 18 acres of, um, you know, we had, we had, there were cows and chickens and horses, but it was all kind of hobby cows, chickens and horses. Like the chickens came when it was time to do the, the uh, FHA, you know, they have the county fair and the kids, mm -hmm. right. you know, they have competition, that kind right. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we got the Banty chickens. So we had a little chicken. Then. And then we had cows that would come on our land and they would we'd lease lease our land for people to bring cows and, you know, country, country raising. But we're all right there in this kind of little area in this little town, which is about uh, 
1,600 people now. And then it was smaller. It was about a thousand. Uh, when we first moved there, it was less than that. It was more like about 800. Um, but uh, yeah, so he, he saw it fly across the river and stop and just simply dropped in beyond the trees. And um, uh, oddly enough, there would be a sighting later, um, one that I was in the car for, where an object dropped down right about in the same spot. So, so that, that, was the, that was the earliest of all of our family's little stories that happened. Uh, what was the, what was sorry? What was the distance uh, according to? And of course, this is you know a long time ago. But what did he describe about how far was he from the river, or how far was he from the disc? Right. Uh, the, the way I understand it, uh, it flew over fairly low, uh, directly over where he was plowing um, mm -hmm. the river. Where he would have been plowing the river is probably less than half a mile away. It's the uh, West Fork of the Trinity River in Texas. Te Texas has no, they've got one natural lake uh, called Caddo Lake in Northeast Texas. Everything else is just rivers that, that kind of flow. They kind of flow into each other and then finally they dump out into the Gulf of Mexico, that, that kind of thing. Uh, and um, so this is one of the little, little tributaries, you know. Um, most people would think of our river is a creek, you know, but it's a creek that always had water in it and it had fish right. in it, it had uh, mm -hmm. carp in it. And, but it was always the kind of river that always had, you know, the sort of knotty old trees that were always piled in it and, you know, fairly, fairly wild. And, and um, gravel companies would come in and dig along it because river, river sand is what gravel companies, that's where they get their, their, or good sand, the sand we play in our sandboxes, you know, from yeah. these kind of rivers. So, so that was about 1958, 59, 60. And that was the, the first, per, first member of the family to encounter something. As far as we know. Yeah. As far, as far as we know, there's always been stories in our family of the old folks who had really odd kind of visitations at night and that kind of thing. But, uh, but I don't think there, there's been anything in the way of like abduction kind of stuff in our family. I, I, I know I've read so much of that literature and I know the patterns and I'll, I don't think any of that really has ever applied to us. But uh, but the next uh, but the next one was just a few years before my own sighting. And that was my uh, uncle Randy. Randy was the second person that went to college in our family, got a degree in electrical engineering and uh, when he was home in a summer, uh, he was working uh, on a ranch um, with his, uh, he had a best buddy named Dave, who they did this kind of Everly Brothers duo. The first time I ever heard electric guitar or heard anybody play live music was in my grandmother's kitchen. And that was Randy and his buddy Dave. And uh, it was great. Uh, my hearing was fantastic back then. And so it hurt, you know, now it just, I, I, I'm like Pete Townsend, you know, I'm mm -hmm. getting my first hearing aids in about a month and I can't wait. You know, I've been, mm -hmm. I've been, our, uh, for everybody out there, my band, Old 97s, we're 30 years old this year. It's been the oh same, four, same four guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same four guys. Congratulations. Um, so, oh, thank you. I'm really or commiserations, depending on how you feel about it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm in an abusive relationship. Yeah, we'll um, get into kids in the hall later, you know. 
Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah, we're getting we're getting um, close to forty years. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, which is amazing. I'm actually in this other band, Long Riders, and and they this year they're celebrating forty years, and uh, I'm replacing uh, a, a member that sadly they passed away a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and uh but yeah they're been celebrating 40 so it you can do it, <laughs> you can do it. um so uh yeah but but uh so it was the middle of the night you you get up early when you work on some of these ranches so he and dave he and uh, buddy dave got up and uh they were in an outbuilding uh wherever this was it was near where we grew up it was near newark texas uh randy passed away a year and a half ago and all i knew that was uh this town new newark it's like newark new jersey but it's that they say newark down there because they have to texanize it you know uh so uh but it was it was pretty close to where where i grew up and uh so he was inside the building and then somebody starts yelling randy get out here get out here and he runs out and by by that point there are five people standing there and what they see is a large white football essentially a large white glowing football and this is going to be very early in the morning this is going to be about 3 30 4 o'clock in the morning and uh randy i i managed to talk to him about this um right we played billy bob uh, old i sentence played billy bobs in fort worth texas in february of the COVID year of, of 2020 and uh randy came down to see us play and uh so i said randy i want to make sure i've got these details your yours was the most impressive story i i had heard from our family and would you tell me again and i had a few details wrong and uh but yeah he said what what they saw was it, like it was just glued to the sky it was a glowing white football shaped thing so so like a disc on edge but really quite fat in the middle mm-hmm. and he said it had little dots around the middle like little he said well i, I think they're windows i said well do you, do you really think they were windows or were they just dots or do you have, you know, I'm, I'm turning on the UFO investigator yeah. on, and, uh, and so, <laughs> sir, you have made the claim that there were windows. <laughs> um, and uh, he said, no, he said, you know, I just had the impression that they were windows. He said, it, it looks like something you draw as a kid where you would just add windows to the middle of it. And, uh, and they watched it for, really quite a while they said they watched it for something like 15 or 20 minutes and it just simply started moving off and he said they um i think he said the way they were oriented uh they were sort of pointed toward fort worth so it would have moved that means it would have moved off uh kind of uh southeast from where they were at and uh and he's and and I said, I, I was always told to me that it moved off very fast. He said, no, it moved off completely nice and reasonable, but very steady. And they, we just watched it go and it just went away. And uh, but it but it really bothered him. He was very religious. Yeah, he was, he was the kind of religious. He had honky tonk bands. Uh-huh. He, he would go down like he literally had would play in this one place in North Fort Worth 
they had uh, uh, chain link fence in front of the stage because people would throw things at the bands. Mm -hmm. So it was like Blues Brothers, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, it wasn't chicken wire, but it was uh, it was chain link. And, That's uh, crazy. So he would do that on Saturday night, but then on Sunday he would go to the First Baptist Church of Newark, Texas, and be the music ministry at that church. And uh, so that that really it his worldview took a little black eye mm -hmm. by that, you know, and because uh, he perceived this as something. I don't know. Tell what, how would you? Well, you know, I mean, you're heavens up here, hell's down there. We're here, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's one thing you can be certain about. Right. And, uh, you see that and you're not certain anymore. You talk about yeah. ontological it's, shock. Yeah. A sense that this is outside of God's creation. These things. Yeah. 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 The, the sense of this, this was not mentioned. I mean, the the Christian Bible is a very poor science book, really. It's it's a terrible mm -hmm. science book. You know, it's 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 stories and and uh, you know and, and morality tales and that sort of thing. But it's not a science book. And uh, you know, and a lot of people out in the country they rely on very few sources for for their worldview and their science and, and he uh, wasn't and he wasn't willing to sort of overlay uh angelic presence or overlay uh any religious symbolism to it, it felt very other to him it it felt other to him at the time it just bothered him it creeped mm -hmm. him out and yeah. uh but you know what over time he was fine with it and he he could he could finally tell the story and um, yeah, it's interesting. Like like I said, we we had, you know, this family has had ghosty visitation kind of stuff. So they're they're odd stories. But when you're telling a story about like great grandma getting a visitation from her recently dead husband, that's still a little bit religious, you know. It's yeah. still spiritual, right. you know. It's got. And it's a loved one and and like well okay it's evidence of souls that might persist yeah exactly yeah. it's it, it's, it's a, a nice comforting. thing to get. yeah it's comforting i hope i get one of those when something when i lose somebody important that you know yeah um so yeah so he he absolutely kind of came around he and he thought the subject was very interesting and, and he knew how my interest in it and you know i'm just and i'm just vomiting stories all over him you know about really compelling stuff of just people like him, you know, and people I know and, and that sort of thing. So that, that was my, that got me very interested in it. And I, and I had just heard his story right around the time that J. Allen Hynek uh, put together his book, The UFO Experience. Mm -hmm. And I, my dad, was in the de defense industry. He worked for General Dynamics in Fort Worth, which is right across the runway from Carswell, which, you know, if you've read the, you know, the, the Roswell story, that was one of the, probably one of the very first stops for material as it moved to Wright Pat and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. So he, so that, that's where dad worked. Yeah. Dad was uh, engineer, lead engineer for, um, uh, uh, he worked on the F-16, um, worked one of the B-series bombers. They did stuff for the Navy. 
And um, uh, so anyway, on one of his trips, he did wind tunnel testing. He would take mm -hmm. the model, put it in the wind, and, and it would behave a certain way, and they would make go back and make changes and that sort of thing. So he was always bringing these really heavy boxes in the house. And, Dad, what's in the box? Oh, uh, well, I can't tell you. Well, when can you tell me? Well, when you read it in the Fort Worth Star Telegram yeah. newspaper, I'll, you, you'll know what's mm -hmm. in the box. I say, oh man, that's so cool. You know? <laughs> uh, I didn't really care what was in the box. I thought it was, I thought it was cool. We got secrets in the house. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So he anyway, he uh, at VFW Airport, he got. I, he didn't have a little. He always brought me a present. I don't think he had one, and he and I was about to have a birthday, so he he got that book out of the uh, airport uh, bookshop, and uh, and I, it was the first book I ever read front to back. I never read a book. I thought it was impressive to read a book, but I thought it must be really hard. And I I read that book top to bottom, and uh, it absolutely fascinated. And uh, I still I still have to read that book. I have to. It's great. It's a yeah. compilation of cases. You know, he explains the classification system and, and mm -hmm. uh, here's a here's a close encounters of the first kind, you know, and here's here's some cases that he thought were good. He didn't put he didn't put in bad cases or things that were easily explainable, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. He put in the, he put an odd one. By then he was really wanting to make the case that yeah. these things we've never really been the Air Force has never been upfront about these kind of cases, and we've never really been told the good ones. And the good ones will confound you if you just, you know, go at it with curiosity and an open mind. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, so that was uh, that was my big um, entree into the subject, and it's it's kind of. Yeah, it's kind of been off and on ever since, but it's. Uh, yeah. I was wondering what, what, what was your dad's view of it? Because he he also heard the stories from other relatives, and yeah, I'm curious he, about open to it or. He a, did no. He he did. He was. He he was no. He he wasn't having any any of it. He he was he had a quiet way about him, but you know uh, when Heineck famously and. Not one of his best moments, but suggested swamp gas as being mm. the reason for one particular very yes. odd uh, uh, sighting. I can't remember where it was. It was at a school college. Mich or Michigan, something like right? That. Yeah. Was Michigan, one, right? Oh, yeah, right. The one that Gerald up, Ford. Gerald Ford, yeah, got upset about it. Yeah. He got upset. He didn't like this. Uh, how did somebody phrase it? This this temporary employee, <laughs> 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 you know. You know, uh, saying that his constituents were, you know, mm. kind of idiots, you know. Mm. And so I think that resulted in him kind of pushing for uh, congressional hearings, I think, what, 66 or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. 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 So, no, dad, dad, dad wasn't having any of it. He, he, uh, he had never had any, any experience himself. He, he knew all these stories. He, he heard my story. He heard my mom and my brother's story. He heard, um, yeah, he, he was to, he just a meat, you know, meat and potatoes guy, you know. He was a he was a lovely man, but there a lot of magic there, you know. And yeah, yeah. He like the magic for him was old movies. That was mm -hmm. it. Old movies were magical. Everything else was just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, so that uh that happened in the summer of seventy four. And mm -hmm. uh and then November nineteenth 
that year, 1974, I saw one and it was astounding. I could not believe it. You know, uh, Tom, I don't know. I, I understand you have something you've seen. Dave, I, I, I know your story that you mm -hmm. and Jeremy were out. Where y'all out by Joshua Tree, Pappy and Harriet's? Where you where we all? We out? were well. We were out out, out in. I, I I I can't say exactly where because Jeremy's okay. very uh, okay private I, I, about where he lives. I just had the impression it was out by Joshua Tree. I go out to Pappy and Harriet's. Yeah, which is an easy venue out there. I love it out there. I'm, yeah. I'm going uh, next Tuesday. I'll be I'll be out there doing a laying a vocal down in a recording studio out there. But um, um, but yeah, it's you know you know what I mean. It's like seeing a ghost or something. It's 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 mm -hmm. odd when it's happening because it's just like you know you're you sort of lock, your mind locks on to it. You don't get very converse. Well, I don't. Think I, you where where were you? Oh, I was at Silent and ours, but yeah, yeah. Talk, yeah I mean, talk about what happened with you guys. So where, this, where were you? Yeah, exactly. This. Okay, so uh, it was it was about I would say about thirty minutes after the sun went down. So it, it was kind of like dark dusk. I had just gotten my first pair of uh, eyeglasses ever, and uh, I could see license plates from a. <laughs> hundred yards away, yeah. you know, it, it, this hyperbole, but I, I was just mm -hmm. fast, like, oh my God, I can see, I can, it, everything's so sharp. Uh, but I thought the glasses looked really dumb and I was really self-conscious about them. L little did I know what my future was, would be, <laughs> but they were big chunk, they were big chunky glasses even then. And, uh, so, um, so my mother and my grandmother had been visiting that day. Um, and uh are you in I, the same house ranch in texas well i'm in the in the house uh where i had had this uh had my early years in texas okay. uh, 18 acres and um and uh, our land sloped down uh to that river just on the opposite side of where my great uncle had his siding in the 50s it was it was opposite and down just about half a mile something like that like really and, close and did, Murray, did you say your dad worked at a nearby military base or was there or is this mostly open land or what's or was the we we were in open land and he simply um, commuted to Fort Worth to work okay. at General Dynamics. General Dynamics, General Dynamics is on the far western edge of Fort Worth. So okay. we were west and north a bit of Fort Worth. So um so it was easy for him to to commute there. It was right. it wasn't a hard commute. So, um, so yeah. So I I I wanted to say bye to my grandmother. Um, I walk out of the garage door holding my glasses because I thought they looked dumb. And uh, we had one little scraggly tree, the kind they plant when they just put in a new Fox and Jacob style house or something like that. You get the the sad little tree, and it's supposed to be big and beautiful someday. <laughs> But you're never going to enjoy it. That's decades yeah. off, you know. So it was it was one of those little trees, and um, and I saw a bright amber colored light moving through the branches in it, and it was immediately it was I was like, oh, that's not right. Uh, I threw my glasses on. It popped out where I could see it, and it was. Um, God, I should have drew it for you before I got on here. But it, it's it was simply 
big in the middle, going to two sharp points, and it was hauling ass. It was it was bright amber. It was it was a like a real rich amber color, uh, just just orange, and um, and and I had to follow it around the house in order to keep up with it. Um, and it was the size of. Uh, I did this yesterday because I've never done this. Like, okay, how big was it? You know, yeah. something held at arm's length. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, it'd be a half dollar held at arm's length. No, it's like a silver dollar held at arm's length. Like, like those big barber coin collectors, like those old timey silver dollars. So, you know, silver dollars are pretty, pretty substantial. So, holding that at arm's length, that is a really good width to what it was. I. You don't know how far away something like that is, so you don't really know how big it is. But I would say, if it was, if it was five hundred to a thousand yards away, then it was like a 40, 50 foot diameter, right? Okay, this kind of thing. And uh, and I'm sure it's the kind of thing people say. Well, you saw a cigar shaped object, but like you know, you're looking at a disc. You know, like no. This is this is a flat round thing, and I'm seeing the edge of it. Mm-hmm. And as it moved, the front end of it was ticking up like this. It was just ticking, ticking, ticking. Mm-hmm. And later, I would read about the uh, skipping rock. You know, when you skip a rock, it kind of goes bouncing on. Well, yeah. that, that's exactly how it was moving. Uh, the The back end tended to stay more or less in position, but the front was doing that. And um, it 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 was just a matter of seconds before it was it had just it you know the what they call it the law of uh, infinite perspective it just got smaller and smaller and smaller and uh, and it was November it was just it, over in the east the the air was kind of hazy and purple and it just sort of melted away into this haze. Uh, just absolutely hauling ass. I, I couldn't believe it. And and I've I've not seen one since. And I've always wanted to. Mm-hmm. And, and and how old were you at the time? Uh, I was I was a few months into being ten. Yeah. I was ten years old. So but because I had uh read uh by then I had completed Heineck's book mm-hmm. that night I made a UFO report. Not, I didn't know where to turn it in, but I made it for myself. And I still have mm-hmm. it. It's got my little kid handwriting. It goes on for about five pages. It's got a diagram when I, where I was in the garage when I first spotted it, uh, where my grandmother's car was. I'm very proud of that report. Yeah. Um, uh, we, the old 97s have a Patreon too. And, and uh, so my birthday, July 2nd, actually falls on National UFO Day. Uh, which is completely lovely. Uh, so next next National UFO Day, I'm putting the entire report on the only sense Patreon. Oh, great! So, yeah, I know you, you can you can see it. You yeah. can see the 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 thorough the thorough uh, reporting and investigation that I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my my mother, uh, she uh, we give me your old checkbooks, and you know how you make little cartoons on checkbooks, you know, flip books. Yeah. Um, You know, when you're a kid, you have stick men hitting a knife and then vomiting and things like that. You know, you're you you goofball stuff. But I but I wanted to animate what I just seen. And I went in and I 
did an animation of this thing, including I made the stars move by in such a way that if I flipped it normally, you would get a sense of how fast it was going. And I made it tick up like that. I worked really hard on that. Um, and I've lost the checkbook, but I, I so wish I, wish I had it because, but I, I still remember even in high school, I was like, you know, that was a pretty decent little animation idea. That, that's kind right. of what it looked like. But yeah, I, I, I can still run it like a film in my head. And I always so in the in the amber you were able to because you mentioned this sort of movement because I obviously subsequently I'm sure in your life you saw meteors and comet you know we saw yeah. asteroids coming through and yeah. and you were able but you were able to discern shape inside you said oh yeah oh yeah I, uh, my my glasses were very very good and the the tip ends of it it was completely symmetrical and the tip ends of it were absolutely sharp. I mean, it went down to, uh, I'm sure if you could stand next to the craft, that that edge would be somewhat, you know, pretty not sharp enough to cut you, but, but well manufactured and, and really coming to a point. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And no, the, uh, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I, it, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I've, I don't know why I haven't been able to see. I was an astronomy kid, so mm -hmm. I was out almost every night looking at the stars anyway. I was really interested, and I, I have my first field guide to the stars and planet sitting behind me on that table right now. It was a, a present from my brother, and um, and it's still great. It's a great it's a great little yeah. reference, but I, but I had that thing out every single night, so I, I knew what a satellite looked like, and I knew right. what... Uh, you know, back then it was sky familiar with the sky. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you yeah, know, I, you know, you know what Venus looked like. And yes, I knew what Venus <laughs> had. I been a pilot now, then I would have had trouble because they would have convinced me I was just looking at Venus or yeah, Jupiter or something yeah. like that. So apparently Venus is quite the shapeshifter. Uh, I tell you what, I you can't trust you can't trust Venus. No, apparently. No, I was gonna, but when 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 you saw it as a ten year old, did, did, was there like an emotional response to seeing this thing? Was it excitement or fear or? Oh yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I I was it wonder, mm -hmm. absolute wonder. I was not afraid. I was not afraid at all. It was absolute wonder, mm -hmm. and I couldn't believe my lucky stars. But see, I thought that if you just kept an eye on the sky, you would see one, which I, I think technically that's true, right? Mm -hmm. That's a dumb thing to say, right? Like I, I've been doing a like, lot more looking at the sky recently. I got to be honest, after all these conversations, my, I mean, oh, I'm yeah. up looking up all the time. I'm, you know, but my eyes aren't. I, good, so. I yeah, I, you know, I, I, I never not look at the sky and, mm -hmm. uh, and I've never not looked at the sky. It's always just been kind of a habit. Darn it, I still haven't seen another one. So that's what makes the next one such a ripoff. Because two months later in January, um, we had to, my brother was playing, uh, uh, let's see, and, uh, he was playing junior high basketball, or maybe he was a freshman. I, I think he was a freshman in, in high school. Anyway, but he was playing basketball. Uh, a lot of the schools that we had to play with were really quite a good distance away. They were about an hour away, 45 minutes away. They, they tended to be towns around uh, Wichita Falls. Um, if you've seen the last picture show. Which I Larry have many Bird, times. 
Oh yeah, great movie. Uh, Larry McMurtry wrote that about his hometown, Archer City. Uh, Archer City was one of the eight schools in our um, in our district, you know, our, our university interscholastically district. Um, so he had a basketball game that night. It was a Friday night. Um, hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, I used to know the date number. If I had the calendar, I could just look at it now. But um, so we had to pick him up. So the school bus was going to get back pretty late to school. The school bus would, would arrive at the high school Everybody would collect their kid and then go home. Well, we lived, this place where I was at, we lived about five miles south and down and, and on a farm road, 730. And then, and then we turned on this uh, uh, county road. All the county roads just have a number. It was like uh, County Road 206 or something like that. Um, so... I was still convinced all I had to do is keep watching the sky and I would see one. And I watched the sky all night that night. I was exhausted from watching the sky. It was, it was, uh, we got Terry, my brother's name is Terry. We got Terry, got him in the car and we're heading south on farm road, 730. And, uh, I was just tired of looking for UFOs. Um, so I lay down in the back seat. I'm exhausted. And maybe three minutes later, maybe two minutes later, shouting started happening in the front seat. My brother and my mother. Oh, my God. What is that? Terry, do you see that? Oh, my God. What is that? What was that? And I'm popping up on, and I don't know what they're talking about. I was like, what? Did a horse run out in front of us? What, what's going on? You know, I wasn't thinking UFO either, you know. Um, but what happened was uh, about a half a mile before we got to our turnout, um, the road kind of goes very low and off to our left. Um, and I just called my brother day before yesterday to kind of ask him about this. I said, you know, you and mom always said that it was following alongside of our car. So what they saw was a blue ball, perfectly round, and it was just blue. Mom, once mom got over her terror at what happened, um, she always talked about the color and just how gorgeous it was. She said that blue. I had the impression there was kind of an indigo. It's one of those beautiful blue indigo uh, colors that you'll see toward the end of the rainbow, you know, toward the end of the, the prism, um, separation of light and all that. Um, so, but what they saw was um, a the blue ball and Terry said, you know, it could have just been stationary, but we were moving and you know how that, you know, the trees are, it's moving with you because it's farther, just simply because it's farther away. 
and the trees are going by. So it seems like it's moving, but it's not. He said, I, I don't know for sure. Uh, but either way, he said, right after, right after we were aware of it, started yelling, it, it did this. It zagged down, just tight turns, like zip, 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 zip. Landing, if it was a landing, but, but descending beyond trees, uh, by coincidence, right in the spot where my great uncle Arvel would have seen the big silver ball land in the 50s, and where I saw my disc more or less originate from. And um, so mom went completely into a panic. I, I found out what, what they saw, what was going on. I'm fantastically disappointed. I could not believe my rotten luck. And it was a good sighting and it was pretty close to us. Uh, but where it was setting down, um, it was right about where we were about to turn left toward where it would uh, be setting down at. There's, there's a family out there. Uh, um, I'm stripping most everybody's identity off on these stories, but mm -hmm. it's a family that's well-known out there. Their, their names are Inman, uh, the Inman family. So they have a good bit of land. They rode my school bus and, and, uh, and I knew the kids, good kids and really like the family. Da, da, da. So, um, but their land is really kind of smack dab uh, where a lot of these things were being, were being signed. Bob, Bobby, Bobby Ray Inman. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't he, he was involved in defense work, right? I mean, he, wasn't he pretty high. That pretty there's high some high. connection there. Yeah. There's some connection there. And I, I feel know like he was name. either an in, intelligence work or um, he was a pretty yeah. high ranking official uh anyway, right. that's, i find that not kind of not wouldn't would would not be the the uh, but yeah every time i see his name i go I wonder how far back do they share a great grandparent right right um but yeah mom went into a panic because uh she had seen the um oh no 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 she she hadn't seen it yet but she went into a panic she said they're going to be at the house they're going to be waiting for us they're going to be at the house and like she, she's like, she knew about this kind of stuff. They're going to be at the house. They're going to be at the house tonight. They're coming tonight. And, you know, poor mom, she was really upset about it. It terrified her. It mm -hmm. absolutely terrified her. And it, it wasn't because it was challenging her worldview. She, you know, there, there was, uh, there were stories about that sort of thing. I think the Betty and Barney Hill thing were on people's minds. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the Pascagoula, Mississippi, case was on people's minds uh travis walton had happened oh, yeah. in what 73 i think right? yeah right there? around there yeah something like that so the, the language was starting to happen about something they they were no longer lights in the sky but there was there was something that there people were running into these things and there's and, also Blue orb experiences where, and I don't know if this was, if they were seeing a ship that was glowing blue that was bigger, but there's also, you know, reports of just objects that are really just sort of, you know, basketball sized or not much bigger than, and interactions that are not at all pleasant or result in good things. You know, they 
they sort of I've heard about this. Trans, yeah. You know, supposedly go through things, and if they touch yeah. people, they can result in some very strange health effects. Uh, yeah, and people, people do hear these things. Yeah. So they'll George, hear like buzzing and George Knapp's book, The um, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, has a lot of right. stories about people interacting with blue orbs. I that's that's a book on the UFO book reading list is just like everybody else's general reading list. It's in the stack that's just waiting. Mm -hmm. That okay. yeah, that Skinwalkers really of the Pentagon will will yeah. definitely that'll keep you up a few nights for sure. Uh, yeah. I, I may need to just go ahead and slip it in. I'm I'm got yeah. like four four yeah. going right now. Let's go, let's go um, say, but your yeah. your mom your mom's reaction was there yeah. any indication that she had had any kind of other experiences in the past or? I I don't think so. I don't think so. But she was very very private. She she alluded to things in her past that seemed to be traumatic and painful, but she could not she could not talk about things like this even if there was something odd or unusual i don't think she had ever met the person that she could trust to to share something like that and you have to have somebody to to talk about these things and i i've been that somebody for one or two people mm -hmm. you know and they're like well you're not going to judge me Here's what happened. Yeah. It's very odd. Buckle up, and here's what's going on. So, but she was, yeah, a, she was, she was a believer. She was a, she, she, she believed definitely it. believed in it. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. she yeah. definitely believed in it. And uh, and having seen one herself, and she, and and her brother was the one that that had the experience on the ranch, and and yeah. uh, and Randy, you know, like I said, truth teller, and uh, and she believed him. We all did. Yeah, we, all did. we saw. We everybody talked about how just like he wouldn't talk about it for a long time and uh but by the end he let his hair down and he was fine with it he thought i i think you know one thing we all have enjoyed uh recently is the clear destigmatizing of this topic but mm -hmm. but i think in some ways that was already kind of going on because the country people were seeing these things and the city well the city people too you know and uh and they were talking to each other and they and they knew that well like i know this one fella and he saw something really weird and it was a lot like mine da, da, da. you know they yeah it, it was becoming yeah. it was becoming part of the consciousness of the time like, yeah even, even by the, the 70s like, even right. like the in search of series with with Leonard exactly Moore. yes i, mean, I yes. loved in search of yeah. uh that's that show scared the Jesus out of me. Oh my God. They, I, love that show. I love those shows. I, I adore those shows. Well, mm -hmm. well, here's one thing weird about Boyd. Um, we are, I was a bicycle ride away from the Aurora, Texas cemetery. The Aurora, Aurora, if you're familiar with this Aurora story, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm, I think okay. so. Okay, well, in 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 the late 1890s, there was just oh, kind yes. of, uh, right, it was 1897 and 96, there was just a lot of playful stories going around, you know, newspaper, newspaper editors and publishers would, they would all kind of rib each other in, in, in print and that sort of thing. Well, there started to be these kind of airship sightings that... Mm -hmm at least some of them seems like they they did have 
there may have been something legitimate there, but, but it really kind of in the pop culture dynamic of the time, it was all about the newspapers. And, um, and so every newspaper started putting these little cheeky little stories about, well, farmer so-and-so met one of these airship people and, and, uh, you know, and, and yeah. they, they, they brought in pancakes or something, just something yeah. dumb. And then, and then he spotted somebody else on board and here's his picture. And it turns out it's the uh, newspaper publisher for the town, you know, won over that there's just a playful rivalry, whatever. Um, but Fort Worth Star Telegram in April of that year had a, not a very big article. It was pretty straight forward it was pretty uh, and it was it was apparently in the town of aurora texas which was still a town it's still a town now uh, but it was bypassed by the railroad and people mo moved over to boyd or they moved up to a place called rome on another railroad and it kind of just ended aurora as a town it was a, it was a big town um but an object, supposedly, if you can believe the article, uh, flew over the town. Apparently, the object was in trouble. It hit, uh, it got low enough to hit a windmill, and then it crashed. And uh, and they found a single occupant in it, and supposedly they gave it a quick Christian burial. It had apparently it had an odd smell. They gave it a quick Christian burial in the town cemetery. And, and ever since that time, every once in a while, somebody has tried to come and get the right to dig up. They, we, we know where the grave is, mm -hmm. but it's uh, for years and years and years, it had a, it had a simple wooden um, marker on it that had a picture of a little flying saucer on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then the marker rotted, and then half disappeared, and somebody stole the other half. And uh, now I think it's a little more properly identified and that sort of thing. But it's always being paraded out in front of um, uh, unsolved mysteries, or that's incredible, mm -hmm. and all these '70s stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah, and there was a recent group went out to try and dig it up just a few years ago, right? Yes, exactly. Was it Ben, was it ben Hansen? Ben Hansen, maybe. I don't know. It's it's always gone. Jim Mars, you know, Arthur Jim Mars, he he wrote about it fairly. He took it somewhat seriously, from what I understand. Um, but, you know, I'd ride my bike over there and see if I could find it. I never could find it and mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing. But uh, but the only real odd thing I can say about that is that one of those shows um interviewed an old man that I, I know for a fact that my great uncle who saw the object, uh, they did a little horse trading with each other. Like I know he bought pigs from this old man and I, and I know, I know the old man's house, this old yellow house kind of South of the cemetery and all that, but he went on, um, the show he was interviewed and he was, he was literally so country. He had subtitles, you know, he, he, he sounded like Gabby from, um, uh, Blazing Saddles, you know, authentic frontier gibberish and all that. Uh, 
but he was the sweet old man. He was just old as the hills, and uh, but they subtitled so you could really understand what he was saying. And he had this story. He said, "I don't care what anybody says. There was something, and it fell. I don't care what anybody says. It fell." He he said when he was six years old. Uh, so he was born in 1891 or whatever. Um, when he was six years old, his dad had gone into town to do some trading, you know, to, to, to buy something. And his dad came home, got him. He said, come with me. I want you to see something. And he said, my, my father took me into town and we saw a number of people. And he said, I saw, I, I saw what they later described as some very basic small wreckage. And he said he saw a person mm -hmm. laying there. And, um, and to, to this, to that day, he, he said, I don't care what anybody says. He was like the last, really the only person they could interview about this. He was actually had a memory of 1897 on the day that happened. It's very curious. I, and in fact, I've tried to find what show he was on. And so it, it never made it to YouTube. I'm really surprised. It, 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 it seems like something that somebody would have found a little snippet of. Um, but if there's anybody out there skilled tracking down this sort of thing, it would have been on like, that's incredible. I, I kind of want to think it was that's incredible. But um, one of the other shows, there's about three or four of them in those days. And um, this old man, he he gave this interview and he he swore up and down. He said, I don't care. I, I remember he said, I, I don't care what they say. It fell. It fell. I thought, well, that's the most interesting Aurora thing I've ever heard. Heard, yeah. you know, this old man being just basically like I have a memory, and and I've told people all my life, and and uh, and he really believed it. So, so yeah, so that's that is kind of curious. So there's a there's a there's a poignance to the stories that are just you know you 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 have to just kind of like yeah, it's your it's your sense of sort of trust. It's a building kind of library of stories that are just built up over, you know, time and history that yeah. that kind of add to this uh, strange, unique. It seems something is really interesting happening around where you grew up. I, you know, we talked, about, yeah. we talked about going, you know, into the field, like, you know, yeah. find our own, our own, like, you know, Skinwalker Ranch. It sounds like that river and right. something about that yeah. area. Well, it seems like, I don't know. It seems like yeah. there's a lot of places spread around the world that are focal points for these kind of events. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I know, um, well, well, Dave, I, Dave, I think I've heard you reference like uh, uh, David Jacobs' mm -hmm. work, yeah, yes. abduction work. And Tom, have you read? You're acquainted with the My Max writings Max, and Jacobs' yeah. writings on abduction, that kind of thing. Well, mm -hmm. if if the patterns are to be believed, then there may be a reason that there's so many objects that may be found in a, in a very particular place. And it may have something to do with that. You know, families that get, uh, that are visited more yeah, than well, once. The, yeah. Well, that was, that, yeah, that was the thing that Bud Hopkins and, uh, David Jacobs discovered was, yeah, that these, yeah. that these yeah. 
these things seem to be familial. They, you know, there's that seems to be family histories right. of experiences. Yeah. Well, that it's generational and it's even our, you know, um, my, you know, my good friend, Jean, who's, uh, at this point will have, you know, her, her episode will have aired with an incredible, incredible story that had stayed with me for 30 years, you know, and we finally, and she, you know, finally shared her experience publicly, um, you know, with all of these kinds of stories, there's such a double, um, you know, this idea that anyone, um, just is like, you know, there, there's no risk to telling these stories, you know, I mean, there's such a, there's a, there's a sense of, um, just fear and, and fear of sharing and fear of ridicule and fear, you know, there's so many layers that make it hard to kind of share this side of type of thing that I think, um, does, you know, in, invest it in a certain, with a, with an integrity really, you know, that you just have to listen to because of what needs to be overcome to kind of share something like that. And, sure. um, yeah. you know, and I, and I think she had, uh, had there had been other, um, yeah, well, her, you know, yeah, her mother had experiences as well before her. Yeah, so, exactly. So, so she had experiences that kind of fit the pattern. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's quite it's quite a yeah. quite a tale. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, I think play you know plays into sort of these these patterns and something clearly was going on where you where you grew up and um, you know it's uh, it, it, yeah. it I I never I had told Dave, I saw something when I was little, but I was too little to understand. I was my, I was with my mother and was seven or eight years old. And she was pointing to the night sky with neighbors. And we were way out in the country in Chester Springs, Pennsylvania. It was just nothing but stars. And, um, I remember her, I remember a lot of what is that? I remember what's going on. I remember a lot of pointing. I remember a lot of excitement. I myself only can summon up from a deep imagination, but what I, what had been interesting was the, the following um, day or two, we had been taken to a nearby farm that was really only a quarter of a mile from us, where there was a burned 50 foot circle in the in the in the field, you know, um, it was in a it was a it, I just remember trying to understand and what was being explained to me was this was in this this had appeared in this field it was and you know i remember the, the kind of black sort of charred area around it um i you know these are kind of associations but i would say um have not you know i've had lots of interesting experience ghost experience lucid dreaming it's you know and we, i've sort of shared but it's interesting have not have not yet seen the seen the kind of definitive you know uap but we'll continue yeah. to look yeah. yeah well i i, I think you kind of hit something that i sort of my my first of all thank you for having a regular folk like me on well, <laughs> something I, like this because i think it's a great idea i think know. it's important and help and i think it is helpful yeah. to people like to have yeah, like exactly. someone like yourself like um as a as a public figure because yeah. I know I know a lot of people in I, I know other people in show business who have had experiences who will not talk about it. People who are very bold in every other way, you know, friends of mine in comedy who are very bold and outspoken and fearless in their comedy and fearless right. about the work they do, right. but will not talk about the things they've seen. It's, you know, it, it's funny when it does become a deal breaker. It's funny, like which you were talking about what line 
what line you go, okay, all right, here's where I leave you. I'm going to stay here. Mm -hmm. You go on, let me know what you come back and, yeah, you know, be a good communicator to me. Tell me why yeah. I should go with well, you on this. And, uh, and, and on that, but you have, because yeah. you have some experiences that you told me about years, a few years ago now, uh, yeah. involving your, your high school and, and events then, right? Oh, there, there's a fun one. You know what? Uh, the, the stories that I'm about to get into, they're about to get into abduction mm -hmm. firmly. And, um, I, I, yeah. Um, real quick, I'll tell you a fun one. I think it's the last one I have before, uh, people start missing time. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. So, uh, this is how to get an entire football entire bus, entire school bus of sports, a sports team to see the same UFO. Uh, so my brother, uh, he had an injury, uh, knee injury that kept him, unfortunately he would have been on this bus, but he had an injury that kept him out of the, out of the school bus. Um, and, uh, I was one of those kids in junior high that I was like the, the, um, the, the manager that would, you know, carry all the equipment for the older kids and made me feel cool. You know, you, you get the tape for their feet and, you know, clean the basketball court and, you know, and I got to travel with the team and all that. It was really, really fun. Um, but one of the guys said a really fun thing happened on our bus during, during football season. Uh, and I wasn't traveling with them. Um, I wasn't traveling with the football team. Um, was we were talking about UFOs. And uh, so what happened was um, Boyd is not terribly far from Dallas, about an hour and 15, something like that. And it's more or less along the path of one of the, the approaches to DFW airport. Um, so an entire school bus of kids are, they, I, I think they were going to the game and it was late in the season. So it was dark early. Uh, so, you know, the school bus is doing what a school bus of a bunch of, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old yahoos are doing. They're just messing around and all this kind of stuff. One kid was just kind of, you know, looking out the window, you know, sort of daydreaming out the window. And he was looking at this, uh, at this plane that was on approach. He, it's like LAX, you know, you just, there's a little line of planes and all going that way. And he was looking at this plane and it was flying along. Then all of a sudden up behind it, a big amber colored light shoots up behind it and follows it. And the, and, and, he's immediately alarmed like he was looking at the plane as this happened so this this round uh object that uh from the story i was told they said it looked pretty big i mean it looked looked even like a little bit bigger than the plane it was it was pretty pretty sizable and of course on the plane all you could see was the the lights you know the the identification lights and the landing lights and the strobe and all that um so he starts yelling at the school bus, guys, 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 come over here. Look at this. Look at this. Everybody's like, look at what? Like, look, look at this. See this plane. Look at that plane right there. Yeah. 
and he doesn't have the whole bus's attention yet. He, um, so the person telling me this, um, they said, well, so we're, we're looking at this and we don't know what we're looking at. Like, you know, what are we looking at? And so we see this plane with the light behind it. And he, he said, I, I'm looking at this plane and this orange light shoots up right by the plane and just stops. And now they said, okay, we, we can see these two lights and they're following along together just like that. And, uh, and so more guys are, they're getting other guys attention. Hey, Hey, look at this. This is real. Cause you know, you don't see that. You don't see a plane with any light near it. It looks, it's, it's, you're not supposed to do that. It's dangerous. You know, and it obviously wasn't a plane behind it. Uh, it had no flashing anything. It was just an orange ball and uh, but very, very tiny because it was at a distance. So at some point, pretty much the entire bus is like, okay, now, tell tell us again what happened and so he's telling again i'm watching this plane this light shoots up and there it is and like wow that is weird and and the person telling me the story he said and then suddenly the light that was behind it did this he said it shot ahead of the plane he said like a bullet and he said, and the whole bus just started screaming and laughing like, oh, my God, you know, it did, everybody started screaming and uh, and high fiving. And, you know, you can imagine the, the mayhem. And uh, but, yeah, it, the by the time that light was falling along, shot ahead of the plane, pretty much the entire bus full of people were watching it happen. And mm -hmm. I was like, that's amazing. How do you get an entire bus full of people to look at the same thing with something like this? And that's how it happened. Yeah. Uh, it's a great yeah. Sighting. yeah. It's a great sighting. Yeah. And, and none of these, everything, every, all these sightings I know about all the, everything is unreported. Not a single thing's been reported. Um, it's just shocking how much is out there not reported. I the think that's, that's the, that's the, that's what really fascinates me so much about this is like when you just start to scrape the surface with someone, everybody, uh, almost everybody has something really just fascinating or, uh, you know, um, or much more open to it than you realize or have had something very personal happen to them, which makes it so much more widespread than you ever imagined and yet sort of remains on this personal level because of the yeah some of the stigma and what have you and um and i think that's kind of what's so cool about just you know trying to hear these story hearing like you know um that they're you know unique to certain places uh families have these stories and there's something clearly there you know what you know yeah. that's and some places seem to have a bit more energy than others but um yeah, I think that just keeping keeping those stories in circulation it's it's uh, is so important. Um, and uh, and we should do this again, you know, and and keep and keep going over these you know these stories, and would love to you know hear more and and talk through it and find out you know um, you know as as uh, as your kind of investigation of this continues, ours you know continues. Um, that would be that would be amazing. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. and we're so yeah. grateful for you joining us today. Oh, um, well, thank you. Thank you. Well, I, we, we, at some point I need to tell you the, uh, actually the really odd missing time abduction stuff that yeah. I, I, and I can do it now if you like.
tell us, yeah, tell us about that. Uh, okay, so um, I know of several uh, clearly abduction stories, and and there and not a single one of them are a UFO story. There's no sighting of a ship, anything. Um, but uh, I was I was hearing these stories before I was really really versed in what the the patterns of the missing time stuff was happening. The most extraordinary one of all of them was uh, a person I'm still really well acquainted with. He was, uh, I grew up in the, in the town with him and uh, he's another, he's another truth teller. You know, he was the, the star quarterback when I was in high school. Um, everybody liked him. I was just a goofy nerdy guy that liked Devo and all that. And he was cool. He liked Zeppelin and you know, it's easy talk, but he liked me very much. And we, and we, we've always stayed friends. He's been out to see the old 97s a number of times. And we've never had a conversation about UFO anything ever, but it came up because I was curious about this little area where I grew up and why there were so many of these kind of uh, stories associated with it. And I, and I called him, I said, do you, you know, do you have any insight here? Have you ever heard anything around town? Because he would have heard people tell, share stories, that kind of thing. And uh, turns out he's related to this family who um, I, I did not know, like related, like very closely related, like first cousin uh, to this family that lived, lived in this area. And he said, you know, I'm about to see them. Uh, it was Memorial Day. He was about to see them. I'm about to see them. I said, oh, would you do me a favor? This is going to be a really odd question ask them if they're if they've ever really had any truly odd experiences especially have have they ever lost time is there any time that they have lost and can't account for like real chunks of time like an hour two hour three hour and uh, his response was well i'll ask them um and i don't know about them but I lost about three hours um, in 2006, and I still don't know what happened. And I, it's, it's really bothered me ever since. I said, "That's this is really incredible. Do you, do you feel comfortable sharing the story?" And so he told me the story, and here it is. And it's a, it's a multiple missing time story. So. He worked for uh, one of the little odd jobs he had at the time was he was helping out uh, a little barbecue restaurant in, in the town I grew up in. And, uh, and they were running out of brisket. Well, there was a house south of town and uh, it was also along the route of my school bus. It, the school bus took us way out this little remote road and turned around and came back and that sort of thing. But, but the house was along that route and behind the house was a, a little outbuilding that had a, a freezer, like one of those horizontal big freezers. And um, so uh, the person who owned the barbecue place um, said there should be some brisket in that freezer. Would you, would you take, uh, the brothers and go get it. Well, there were these two brothers. Uh, um, I guess I won't say their name because I didn't ask them if I could use their name, but two brothers 
and my friend, and my friend's name is Scott. So Scott and the brothers, they get in Scott's truck, go down there. And this is on Memorial Day in 2006. Um, they go, they park in front of the house. They go around to the back. They look in the freezer. Scott sees there is no brisket like he thought there was. There's nothing in there. And so he needed to call and tell them that. And he said, I know what time it was because I needed to make two phone calls. He says it was right about six o'clock. Um, so he's standing there with the two brothers. They're, they're in the, the back of this property. Uh, old, the house is an old wooden farmhouse. You know, you've seen it a lot, just old wooden clapboard farmhouse. And, uh, he says, I, I look at the, he said it was like six Oh four or something like that. I, I make the phone call and I'm holding the phone and he, and he said it. And I, and there was like a gap in my consciousness. He said, all of a sudden I'm, I was like, I'm, I'm sitting there going, what happened? And I'm looking at the two brothers. And he said, the two brothers are just standing there and their mouths are hanging open. They're just like, he said, and they, they can't talk. They said, they look terrified. And he said, I guys, I feel weird. Y'all feel weird. What happened? And, um, and he said, and at that point, he said he felt like we had to get out of there now. He said, I had this flight urge. He said, we had to get out of there. He said, it wasn't just feeling odd. He, he said, I, I felt like we got to get out of here right now. Something, something really bad is happening, you know? So they walk around the, the to the front of the house and he said, and that's when I noticed the light. He said, the sun had been up in the sky. It was, it was wherever it is in May, uh, when, is, when is Memorial Day, kind of mm -hmm. May, that kind of day changes. Um, the sun had been up in the sky. He said, but now I could see it was way, way down in the trees. I mean, it was, it was setting. And he was like, what time is it? And he looked at his phone and it was almost nine o'clock. He had lost a, 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 right about two and a half hours. He thought he had lost about three hours. But when I was looking at the, the time of the sunset for that day and the time he made his call and his description of, of where the sun was, it would have been about two and a half hours that he lost. And they were standing up. They weren't even sitting down. They were standing up when all this was going on. He said the brothers still could barely talk. He said, guys, what time is it? What, how is it so late? And, and he said it was so late. There was, wasn't even any point in going back to the barbecue stand. He said, I just had to take the, the two brothers home to their house and I had to go home myself. It was just, it was over. It was, it was too late. And he, he said, we got in the truck and we just kept saying, uh, he said, eventually the brothers started kind of talking he said but all we could say is like why is it so late how how is it so late so he took the, he took the the two, other two home went to his house he, his two sisters were there 
and he told them what happened and he never told anybody else anything about it and um until he told me about the story and he said it was really upsetting he said he he didn't have any knowledge about any of the literature on missing time which tends to be organized under alien abduction that mm -hmm. sort of thing he had no so we got into it and i did my little questioning and and um, I'm, I'm a pretty good interviewer th at this point when it comes to like mining out like okay let's take it chronology what happened what about this aspect and da 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 um and i asked him have you had knowing this can run in families that sort of thing yeah. has, has anybody else in your family ever had anything like this he said no I, as far as i know absolutely not and I said, have you had any other experience like this? He said, no, absolutely not. But a little bit later, not very much later than this, he, he, I think he wrote me, he said, remember when I said I'd never had another experience like this? He said, that wasn't true. And I said, well, um, do you feel comfortable talking about it? I mean, it's it's not not my story. It's your story. Do you, do you feel comfortable talking about it? He said, I don't want to talk about it through email, and I don't want to talk about it on the phone. I'd much really rather just tell you in person, he said, because some of the details are very embarrassing. And by embarrassing, we, we know what that means, you know. It, and... Uh, and that was years ago and i have left him alone about it and we would and he would joke about ufo stuff and as it comes up in pop culture the news or something like that you know and i would too and you know we just returned to our normal friendship um i wrote down everything he he told me and i preserved the story and when i knew i was coming on this um the show i called I, I wrote him i said i said scott i i would love to if i strip all identifying all identifying uh, information from your story would you mind if i relate your story on the show because i think we're just going to be telling sit around telling a lot of cool yeah. stories like we're sitting on a porch kind of thing mm -hmm. he said, you know what you can tell it and you can put my name in and and I, well, I was saying, you know, you live in a small town and you know how small towns are. People can be unkind about this sort of thing. And I don't, my instinct is to protect you from that. And he said, you know what, if, if anybody at this point, if anybody doesn't believe me, doesn't know who I am, they can bite me, tell my, tell the story, it'll be fine. Uh, and and he said he, he basically said and you know what i think i'm ready to share about all the other stuff too and um and all the other stuff as it turned out he remembers very very little except that he the first time he felt like something came to him he was about seven and he said it it really ramped up when he was a teenager and in his 20s it was also busy and then it's tapered off 
in the last few years, but he, he recalls uh, physical procedures. Um, he recalls that when he would come back to his bed, it, it's almost like he would be sort of curled up and he would be sort of placed back in his bed on his side. Um, he, he, he would have real trouble um, even opening his eyes most of the time. He said there, there were times where I thought I was screaming, but I think I wasn't. Mm. I just thought I was in my mind. And, and he said there were times where I'm pretty sure I was screaming, like I could hear myself. And, and, and he said there were, there were times where he could see a bit of the room, he said, and there would be figures. Uh, he said it was only once or twice that he could really say, I felt like I did see figures. He said the rest of the time, not really. He said so many times I'd be in my bed and I knew they were there and something was going on and I would feel like a, 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 a big or severe burning sensation in my spine. I could feel them working on, he used the word guts. I feel them working on my guts. I could feel them working on, you know, everywhere else. And we all know where everywhere else is. Yeah. And, um, but he said, but as far as memories of it, like, like a real, real block to his memories. And there were no light, light, lights associated with it. Were there, and you know, oftentimes, obviously there's like a kind of flooding of light. There's something, you know, or, or but he didn't have that. This was more just kind of. He a light and I need to ask him about this. And um, he did, he didn't mention, I know, I know what you're talking about. Some people will describe like a pinkish light uh, with like sparkly things kind of in the air. So I just blue. Um, he, he did mention like one odd light thing, but it was, but I think, I think when he was telling me that it was connected to one of the times that he was able to remember something, a snapshot of right. not being in his house, not being in his bed. Um, but he, but apparently so many of the experiences, he couldn't say whether he was in his bed or where he was, but that something was happening, but he was absolutely, um, he had no control. He could not do anything as, as the pattern goes, yeah. as the pattern goes, they, they, they have complete, you know, coverage of your, whatever it is, your, your, your neurological system. You're, you're not in control of anything, but, um, yeah, so that, that was his story. And wow. uh, it's stunning so, to me what, what, what people carry around with them, yeah. you know, it's yeah. just the, the yeah. it's, you know, the person walking down the street that you just, you know, that has, is dealing with that kind of, um, yeah. uh, you know, history and, and, and experience and, um, and can't, you know, so can't share it for so many reasons, you know, yeah, and it's yeah. like, that's, um, it's like, like John Mack said, they always, they seem there's people that are otherwise sane, rational, normal yeah. people who yeah. just have these, ex, these experiences that seem insane. Yeah. 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 Normal people that have something that, what are they supposed to do with that? Yeah. 
you know, it's and, it, and, and something that is so disruptive. And, and if you have, yeah. uh, you know, comedy friends that are, you know, they think a, a dramatic UFO encounter is something they don't feel comfortable with. Imagine if they yeah. had to keep something like this. Well, again, and if you have one experience, how many others do you have? Yeah. yeah. Well, again, I think that's why it's, it's really nice to have, have you come on. Uh, as I said, like people who are in the, in the public, uh, who aren't afraid of it, you know, of being labeled as, you know, yeah. UFO nut. Look at me. Look yeah. at me. I'm a... <laughs> there you go, Mary. No, it's, yeah. yeah it, it, I think, I think there really is something about being fiercely curious and, and open-minded as much as you can be open-minded. Listen, don't talk, listen, be fiercely, fiercely, fearlessly curious. And, um, and I think without even meaning to, you'll, you'll sort of end up with stories kind of coming around you, you know, yeah. like I said, I'm, I don't, I don't, I'll bring this stuff up around UFO buddies, you know, yeah. but I don't really bring it up that much. Well, I, I know for me, once I started sort of talking publicly about the subject, even before I'd had any experience of my own, um, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was just that people would come out basically it, it was like a coming out people would come and say i haven't told anyone this but this happened to me and yeah. that seems to happen more and more often yeah the more i talk about well, this we'll keep it up it will we'll be good allies to the yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. absolutely yeah. all right absolutely. I guess, yeah and i guess we should well we should really wrap up and thank you come so back. much for your time marie it's so oh, great to see I, you again I, I would love love to come back and folksy folk with you guys and, yeah let's and do it tell some more that, fun stories I'll, I'll save some of the other ones for for that too that would be you wonderful there, yeah. there's one i did there's a landing one that i that i have been on the phone with uh, a guy last 48 hours getting it all down the map he drew he was he he did a lot of map work when he was in the marines and was mm -hmm. very talented there it is the most bizarre it is bizarre oh. and and all right i might email that to you and please uh, do yeah and we'll definitely okay. definitely I, tom, I'll leave, pass it on to tom i'll have your yes yeah i will definitely it's, find it's, it's it's worth a read yeah yeah and let's yeah, definitely yeah. find a time to to talk more soon absolutely oh, yeah. oh my gosh yeah 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 no so, this is fantastic right. well thanks for having me on this you, you've uh Very like, you off the bucket list this is bucket list stuff so yeah <laughs> This you is this was amazing. Yes, I'm this is great. <laughs> All right, this well, was you, amazing. We'll do we'll do this. We'll 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 have you on again soon, and we'll hear one of your stories. All right, thank you so okay. much, Murray. Thank okay. you, Murray. Bye, guys. Awesome. We're talking briefly about the devastating fires in Maui. Um, there's uh, a friend of our producer Chrissy, a uh, woman named Patricia Worst, who is organizing a GoFundMe for mm -hmm. the Lahaina Fire Relief uh, for SHS, SHS Learning Journey. So it's a high school that was destroyed in the fires. Yeah, they lost all of everything, I guess. They lost all of their, they lost their school and everything in it. Oh, it's just that whole, this whole story is so upsetting and awful. And this is just our small part to, um, help one of these, mm -hmm. you know, devastated aspects of that community that has been so rocked by this. So um, again, if you can, if you're listening, the it's a GoFundMe for Lahaina Fire Relief 
for SHS Learning Journey, which is a high school that was destroyed in the fires. And it's being organized by a friend of the Really podcast named Patricia Wurst. Um, so yeah, anything you can do, um, you know, this is, you know, uh, just a, a small aspect, but, but um, would obviously make a big difference to these kids that uh, no longer have a school. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's, yeah, if you have, if you have a little extra that you can put towards something like this, that's very specific, that can be really, really hugely helpful, uh, almost disproportionately helpful. Although it's, obviously it's great to donate to the larger organizations as well. Um, but but yeah, if you've yeah. ever been to Lahaina, you probably have as many uh, great memories as I have of Lahaina. Yeah, no, like it, it's unbelievable to think about that. It, yes, uh, my kids when they were little and um, just going through there and just what a uh, what a sanctuary that whole place is. You know, it's the place you go where you just think no, no troubles can touch you and, you know, you can re refresh and rejuvenate and, you know, and... Uh, and for them to go through this is um, just absolutely tragic. So anything you can do, uh, we would super appreciate it. Chrissy, our producer, would super appreciate it. And I'm sure these kids, it would mean a lot to them as well. So yeah, there you go. Please do.